Very good. Second Peter chapter 1, we, we spent some time last week looking at those things that we are to add to our faith. And tonight we're just going to kind of continue on in the chapter a little bit here, trusting that this is what the Lord has for us. If you are uh, in Second Peter 1 and able to stand, I'd invite you to do that uh, as we read the scripture. If you're not able to stand, that's okay as well. But we want to give honor to the word of God and give our full attention to it. As we read the text, and so Peter here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, or fitting, as long as I am in this tabernacle, he's speaking of his body, to stir, to stir you up, by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty." For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, uh, as we look into your word in these next few moments, uh, I ask that you would uh, guide uh, the message, guide my mind and my mouth as I try to lead your people through your word tonight. I pray that we would be encouraged. I pray that we'd be helped. I pray that we would be reminded of some things that we need to remember. And uh, Lord, would you just bless in the service? Would you remove, please, from the, from the room any distraction, anything that would cause us to turn our attention and our focus away from that which you have for us, what you prepared for us tonight through your word. And so, Lord, just uh, be honored and glorified, we pray, in the message and in all things that we say and do here. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. This passage of scripture, and really the, the book of 2 Peter, uh, we could say these are, these are, this is kind of a, a, a memoir, if you will, or, or the final words of the Apostle Peter. Uh, he's writing this uh, to the Lord's people. He's addressed it uh, to those who have obtained like precious faith, those who've been born again like he has, and, and I'm thankful that that's the salvation that we possess through the Lord Jesus Christ, the salvation that we sing about is the same salvation that he had and the apostles, and, and we have the same faith. We, uh, we contend uh, for that faith that was once delivered to the saints, and uh, we, we, it's the same faith, it's the same Lord, it's, a, it's the same salvation. And so this is written to us, but he's writing as one who knows that he will soon be leaving this life. He said in verse number 14, and I pointed it out as we read it, he said, knowing or let's back up to verse 13, he said, Yea, I think it meet, I think it, it fitting, it's appropriate, it's proper, I think it meet 
as long as I am in this tabernacle. Now, when we read in the Bible of the, the word tabernacle, we would use today the word tent, and it really has to do with a temporary dwelling place. And there are several times in the Bible that it refers to our bodies, our physical bodies, as a tabernacle, because if you are a, a, a saved individual, you know that the body that you live in is just a temporary dwelling place. Uh, where you live, the, 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 the body that you have today, it's not the real you, it's just a shell, it's just your, your home, it's a hotel room, really, uh, that you're living in until this life is over. And at the moment of your death, or for some of us, uh, hopefully, maybe all of us tonight, at the moment of the rapture, we're going to check out of these bodies, and we are going to be with the Lord. But as we live on this earth, we are absent from the Lord, we're present in this tabernacle, this tent. And so now Peter is saying, as, as, as I think it means, I, I believe it is fitting, as long as I am in this tabernacle, as long as I am alive here, to put you in remembrance or to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, verse number 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. So he's writing to these people and he's saying, I, I am aware that the Lord, uh, he's made it very clear to me soon, he's going to be calling me home. And my race here on earth is about done. And so I am giving to you some counsel and some advice that you need to know before I die. Now I want you to think about this because really these are the last recorded words that we have of the Apostle Peter. Last words are a powerful and an important thing. I want my last words to matter. You know, I, I picture if, if the Lord tarries his coming and, and, I, and I live to the ripe old age of 120... And, uh, and, and my family gathers around my, my deathbed to say their final goodbyes to me. You know, I imagine uh, giving some counsel and some advice to my children and grandchildren and, 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 uh, and expressing to them some things that they need to know, those things that I'm leaving behind. Last words are a, a powerful thing. If you were to write a, a, a letter to someone, a dying letter, you know that your time is coming to a close and you were to write a letter to those people who are most important to you in life, wouldn't you want, you wouldn't want to waste words on silly things, would you? I mean, you'd want to make sure that the things in that letter are the most important things that you could possibly tell them. And so here is Peter, he's writing to these people and here's what's so unique about this book. He tells them several times, my message to you as a dying man or a man about to leave this life, my message to you is I'm going to tell you things that you already know. I am going to put you in remembrance of things. I'm going to stir you up by way of remembrance. And that really is the title of the message tonight, putting into remembrance, because Again, verse number 13, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And really throughout the book we find these, uh, these phrases. Uh, chapter 3, for instance, in verse number 1, it says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. It's interesting. 
He's not saying, I want to reveal to you some new truth. There's some revelation that God has given to me. He just says, I want to stir you up by way of remembrance. I want to just kind of take you down memory lane in your Christian life and remind you of some of the foundational and fundamental truths that are so important to you. What I really believe that this is, is an acknowledgement. That's the first point of the message tonight, his acknowledgement. He's acknowledging that the greatest need of most Christian people is to be reminded of truth that we already know. You see, sometimes I've been guilty of this before where I've kind of gotten on a kick of wanting to see new things. Have you ever been reading your Bible and the Lord just points something out to you that you've never seen before? It's always been there, but you've just never quite looked at it in this way. And that's an exciting experience, isn't it? Or someone will preach a message on a passage of Scripture and you think, man, I've never heard that before. I I can see it's clearly biblical, but I've never really thought of this passage in that way. I've never considered the reality of that truth. And it's an exciting thing. And it can be encouraging to see things that we haven't seen before. But often, what we really need more than that, more than being told things that we haven't heard before... For most of us, what we need is to be reminded. We need to be put in remembrance of truth. You see, I have found it's not the profound and the deep things that we struggle the most with. It's actually applying the basic truths that we know. It's applying the basic truths that we know, like this one. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. Ah, I've got that one down. No, I don't. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah, I figured that out about a year or two into my Christian life. No, you didn't. Issues like forgiveness. We struggle with these things, don't we? Christians struggle oftentimes to really have a genuine walk with the Lord. They struggle to be consistent reading their Bible and praying. We've said before, and and I've even joked about the fact that sometimes people will come for counsel, and one of the questions you ask is, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying every day? Oh, no, I knew you were going to say that. Well, yeah, you know why I'm going to say that? Because even though it's a very foundational and simple truth, it's something that a lot of people struggle with. I mean, Satan doesn't want you to have a walk with God and he'll do anything that he can to get in the way of your relationship with the Lord. And so it's it's not, oftentimes it's not new things that we need to be told, it's that we need to be reminded of things that we already know are true. We need to be encouraged in these things. I want you to notice that he he says to them, in verse number 15, he says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. He said in verse number 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. So he said, I know that you know these things. I know that you are grounded Christians. Don't read this letter from me and think that I am assuming you're, uh, that you have not been discipled, that you haven't been taught, that you don't know these things. But I am giving you these truths because I want to stir you up by way of remembrance. But I also want you to always remember these things. 
Did you know that truth has a way of doing both of those things? It, it, it stirs us up. It, it encourages our hearts. But he says that, I, I don't want to just stir you up temporarily. I want you to always have these things in remembrance. We're in the book of Philippians on Sunday mornings, and I don't want to give away a future message, but it says in Philippians 3 and verse number 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Then he says, To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. He said, here's the thing, I, I, I'm writing to you some things I've told you before, but that's not a problem for me. It's actually safe for you. It's a good thing. You know, we can get, at times, a, a little bit tired of, a little bit sick of truth that we already know. I think all of us probably at times have, have heard the Bible opened and, 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 and we, we, we go to a very familiar passage of Scripture and the preacher starts preaching and we just kind of check out in our mind because we assume, okay, this must be for someone else because I already know it. I remember when we were in Bible college... My wife and sister-in-law would remember this. Uh, every Saturday morning, uh, we would have a, a, a bus meeting. We'd have like a, 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 before we'd go out on our bus visitation, there'd be almost like a chapel service. And then from there, we would go across, that, that was for the college students. Then we'd go uh, across the parking lot, we'd have breakfast. And in the breakfast, there'd be like a challenge about visitation and soul winning and things like that. And inevitably, in one of those two, and sometimes in both, you are going to be hearing from Matthew 28, 18 through 20, or Mark 16, 15, or both. And like, it was to the point where it was so, I mean, you just knew from one week to the next, this is what we're going to be hearing. You know, these are, it's the same passage as scripture. But, but here's the thing. Sometimes we need to be reminded. We need to hear things again and again and again and again and again. The Bible says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Now, last week we talked about the fact that we, we ought to grow to a point in our lives that we are able to handle some deeper things of the word of God. We don't want to live our lives only able to take the milk, right? We need to get into the meat of the word. We need to grow. When for the time ye ought to be teachers, right? We ought to grow to that point where we can understand some things. We can dig in a little bit deeper. Hebrews 6 talks about leaving uh, the, 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 the principles, the, the, the foundational truths, and going on to perfection. And so this is a good thing, but did you know that even once you grow to where you can handle some meat, you still need some milk? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Tonight, we sang some songs. We sang, first of all, Saved by the Blood. Now, when, when I first got saved as a child, I knew that salvation was by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and his shed blood. I knew that. Many years ago, that's been now about 30 years ago that I accepted Christ. And I knew that truth. And did you know that tonight, as we were singing that song, I was stirred by way of remembrance. 
It's a very basic and simple truth. It's something that most of the young people here could explain to you. But it's something that we need to be reminded of. May we never forget the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are so many other things that we could talk about. We need to be reminded. One of the things that the Lord does in my life, one of the most profound things he does to me is to remind me of his love for me. It never ceases to amaze me that the God of the universe, that the God of heaven, would love me. You say, well, you know, I know that God loves me. Yeah, but you need to be reminded. You need to be reminded. You know, some, someone said, uh, there was, uh, there's an old joke, right, about the old couple. That the wife says to the husband, why don't you ever tell me you love me? And he says, well, I told you, I loved you the day I married you, and if that ever changes, I'll let you know. That might be logical, but it's not very practical. Because we need to be reminded of things, don't we? We need to be reminded. And when it comes to the things of the Lord and the things of the Spirit, we need to be reminded. And I would say also on the other side of that coin... There even can be a danger in always seeking newness. There can be a danger in always looking for that new thing. Go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter number 17. I want to show you a group of people that were always looking for something new, but they never really got grounded in anything. Acts chapter 17, and... Let's begin reading in verse number 18. It says, Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. This is the Apostle Paul. And some said, What will this babbler say? Other some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Oropagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. So they're saying, this is something we've never heard before. This seems strange. This seems kind of out of the ordinary. And because of that, we want to hear it. Verse number 21, listen to this. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So these were people, these were Greeks, they were what we would call Gnostics. Gnostics believed that essentially man could become a god or like God. In fact, there's a lot of, uh, if you you know anything about Greek mythology and all those weird characters of you know, Hercules and Zeus and all the all those weird stories. That all of that stems out of Gnosticism. And then those are those are false gods of Gnosticism. But the idea of Gnosticism is that you can become a god, and the way that you become godlike is by essentially knowledge. The more you know, the more godlike you become. And the word Gnostic, it actually, it, it refers to knowledge. That's why if you've ever heard of an agnostic, that's someone who doesn't necessarily state adamantly there is no God, but they say if there is a God, we can't know him or we can't know that there is. So they're an agnostic. 
Gnostic. They are without knowledge of God. So these are Gnostics. They're on the other side. They say, we can know and thereby become God. Well, if you want to get knowledge and you want to become godlike by knowing things, what do you have to do? You've got to feed yourself information. And you've got to feed yourself new information all the time. And so here's what they did. They sat around with this desire and this attempt to become superior beings by filling their head with knowledge. And so if someone had a new idea, a new thought, a new religion, anything like that, they wanted to hear it because the more I know, the better off I am. However, what happened? We know that they're on Mars Hill, they're in Athens. Those people had altars to hundreds and even thousands of false gods. And Paul, as he goes to preach to them, addresses one particular altar that says to the unknown God. Isn't it ironic that these people, in their quest for knowledge to know all of these things, were absolutely ignorant of the one God that mattered? But here they were spending their time in nothing else but either to hear or to tell some new thing. Something new. It's new. It's new. It's new. Therefore, I want it. Their quest for knowledge through newness did not lead them to truth. It led them into deeper confusion. Can I encourage you? I am not information age that we live in, you can get on your phone and you can spend all day absorbing content that you is new to you. You haven't seen it before, you haven't heard it before, and so you're just taking it in, taking it in, taking it in. You know what the problem is? You are not on guard the way that you ought to be. The Bible says that we're to walk circumspectly and we are to beware. Why? Because there are many false prophets and many false teachers that are gone out and you will, if you are just constantly looking for something new, you're going to find yourself listening to some people that don't have the truth. Young people, I want to encourage you in something. Here, here's the thing. Satan will take old lies and he'll package them in new truth. And I hear so many young people, teenagers, young adults, that are, that are leaving the faith and they're following after these kind of fly-by-night people that get some kind of a following on, on YouTube or, or something like that, and all of a sudden now they're, they're leading people out of scriptural churches because these people are hearing things for the first time that they're thinking, well, I've never heard this before. And you know what usually happens at the root of all of it is a bunch of old lies that Satan's been telling for generations, but it's packaged in a way that sounds different, and it draws young people in because they think, Wow, my parents didn't know this, and my pastor didn't know this, and, and now I'm learning something I haven't learned before, therefore it must be true. I just want to tell you, be very, very, very careful about the dangers of always looking for newness. Because what you really need is to be reminded of what you know. You need to be reminded of truth. 
so he acknowledged that. And then he begins to lead them down this path of reminding them of truth that they know. And if you look at verse number 16, back here in Second uh, Peter, i got to get back there myself, Second Peter uh, chapter number 1, in verse 16, here's what he says. He says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Here's what he says. The message that you have received, the message that we preach to you, the message that you heard from us, the message that has changed your life, you need to be reminded that this wasn't conjured up in the mind of some creative storyteller. This wasn't a cunningly devised fable. This wasn't some fiction that just had a good moral to the story. This was an eyewitness account of the Lord Jesus Christ himself and all that he did. This is so important for you and I to be reminded of. Do you know why? Because Satan wants to convince people, and he's done a good job of convincing people of lies like this. Well, the Bible uh, has some problems. It's not all perfect, and, you know, overall, uh, it has a lot of good information and good wisdom, and, 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 and it, you know, if you want to live a moral life, it's a good book, but take it literally. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that's kind of, you know, it's outdated, and, and you know, people used to believe these things, but we've, we've learned now. You know, we've grown beyond that. Do you know that people really believe that? Do you know that, actually, if you were to, uh, surveys have been done, and studies have been done across denominations, and there's something in the neighborhood of like 50% uh, across denominations, Something like 50% of pastors do not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Think about that. These are people who are supposed to be preaching the Word of God. This is, this is supposed to be the foundation of everything that they do, and they don't even believe it. People are caught up in lies, and, and, and what Peter is saying here is, listen... I know you're grounded in truth, but I just want to remind you the truth that you've received, the truth that you believe, this is not a story made up by men. This is truth. This was given to you by God. And how do I know that, Peter? How do I know that? Because I'm an eyewitness of his majesty. Peter was able to say, I walked with Jesus. I was there when Jesus healed the lepers. I was there when Jesus took a blind man who'd been blind from his birth and he opened his eyes and he gave him sight. I was there when Jesus took the crippled man that had been impotent since birth and he healed him. I was there when he opened the ears of the deaf. And oh, by the way, I was there when he raised Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead. I saw it. But not only did I see that, he says, verse number 17, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, 
This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Now there were a couple of times that the Lord, that God the Father, spoke from heaven these words affirming that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. One would have been at his baptism. You remember when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water and that dove descended on him. It was the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove. And what what did God the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That happened. But that's not the time that Peter's referring to here. Because Peter says in verse number 18, And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Let's go back to the book of Matthew and chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16. And I want to show you that what what Peter is talking about here is what we would refer to as the Mount of Transfiguration. In Matthew chapter number 16, Verse number 28. I want you to notice this. Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now that verse alone has caused some people to stumble over the years because they've thought, well, uh, if, if Jesus said that to his disciples, then it must mean that the second coming had to have happened in their lifetime. But in all three of the synoptic gospels, it uses, it it tells us that Jesus said that, and then the very next thing it says is this. And after six days, chapter 17, verse 1, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And so what you really see here, and the reason that we read that first verse was because I believe that's very closely connected with what happened on the mount. What did Jesus say? What Jesus is saying is this is a glimpse of the Son of Man coming in his glory. What What Peter and James and John saw there in that holy mount when Jesus was transfigured before them was they got special insight into what it will be when we see Jesus coming in power and great glory. He was transfigured. He looked different. And when they saw this, it was an amazing thing. Here they see Jesus, but he doesn't look like the Jesus that they know. And then they see Moses and they know they see Elijah. Isn't it interesting they knew it was Moses and Elijah? And then Peter, who always had to have something to say, and a lot of times it wasn't the right thing to say. Hey Jesus, let's build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Wrong answer. 
Jesus is greater than Moses and Elijah. If you're in the presence of Jesus and Moses and Elijah, don't worry about Moses and Elijah. Worship Jesus, okay? God the Father then speaks from heaven, shines out this bright light from heaven, and he speaks these words. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. Now Peter, the very one penning these words to these believers in 2 Peter, says, I was I was there. I, I'm always interested in history. Uh, war history is fascinating to me, but one of the most fascinating experiences of my life was to sit down with a World War II veteran, and he talked for about two hours about his experience in the war. And he told us of times that he spent in trenches and sleeping at night times where gunfights would erupt in the middle of the night because someone in, in their unit was snoring and it alerted the enemy to where they were and he told us all kinds of, of personal, detailed information. You know what that did? Hearing this man who was there, hearing him tell of his experience just made it that much more real to me. You know, it's one thing to read of things in a history book, but I'm looking at the face of a man who was there. And I'm hearing his account of what happened. And eyewitness accounts can have some weight to them, can't they? I mean, if someone says, I was there, that matters. I'm always interested when things like archaeology just kind of, they come along and they just kind of reaffirm what the Bible already says. I don't need archaeology or science or anyone to tell me that the Bible is true. It's the Word of God. But but there's something about it when, when we're constantly being bombarded with lies that cast doubt on God's Word. Isn't it good to be reminded that we can trust our Bible? And that's exactly what Peter's doing. Listen, the things that I'm preaching to you, I, I mean, I was with him. I saw him face to face. I was there in his presence in the Holy Mount. That's his account of what happened, but I want you to notice his admonition. Because then he says in verse number 19 of 2 Peter 1, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. So Peter says, listen, the message that you've heard from me, the things that I've taught you, the, 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 the truth that you're grounded in, this was not conjured up in my mind or someone else's mind. This, this, this isn't a cunningly devised fable. This is truth, and I know it's truth because I saw him with my own eyes. This, I was an eyewitness of his majesty. There is something that you have that is more reliable and more accurate than my eyewitness account. You say, what is that? We have a more sure word of prophecy. 
Look at verse number 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know what he's saying? You don't have to listen to someone who says, I have a word from God for you. Because you can open your Bible and get God's word for you. And you can trust what he has said absolutely 100%. Now, in this world where we live, there are all kinds of people that claim to have some kind of insight or some kind of knowledge or some kind of a connection with God that you need. And friend, here's what you need to hear. The Apostle Peter himself said, don't take my word for it, read the book. The one who was there with the Lord in the Mount of Transfiguration, literally one of three people alive on the earth at that time. One of three. That's it. Three people in the history of the world were there with Jesus, and Peter was one of them. He says, listen, I I was there, I saw it, but you do well to take heed to the Scripture. You do well to put your confidence in the Word of God. Don't take a man's word for it. Notice that he says that you do well to take heed unto this more sure word of prophecy until until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. You say, when is that? Well, that's not until the Lord Jesus returns. When, when the day dawns, when the day of Christ is here, then will we be brought into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a, uh, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, as it says in Ephesians. But until that day, As long as you are in this earthly tabernacle, you need to take heed to what? The scriptures. You say, Pastor, I know. I've heard. I have heard my whole life that I need to read my Bible. Well, let me stir you up by way of remembrance. Trust the book. Get it? You have a more sure word of prophecy. You can place your confidence in God's word. You can believe it. You can stand on it because it's true. Why? Because an eyewitness told you? No, no, no. This is more reliable than an eyewitness. And so Peter says that these things that I'm writing to you, I'm not writing because you haven't heard them before. I hope you understand when I stand and preach, when Pastor Smith gets up here and preaches, it's not that we think you don't know. I mean, sure, we want to be able to provide you with insight. We want to be able to It's not that we think that you're ignorant or that you have to have us to understand the Bible. You ought to be walking with the Lord. You ought to be being fed by God throughout the week. But sometimes you just need to be reminded. Sometimes you just need to be stirred up by way of remembrance. And so tonight, can I just encourage you? Don't think that your Christian life is dependent on finding that next new thing that you haven't quite figured out.
do what you know God wants you to do. And you know what will happen? You'll grow. You'll grow in Him. And you'll be able to stand in the midst of a time of false prophets and false teachers. Those who are going to come in and try and deceive, you'll be able to stand. 